Who's got the biggest, the cleanest, the coldest whips of all? Buzz! Can you dig it? Who's never late and never missed a single call? Buzz! Right on time. Who is the man when you need a chauffeur in Duval? Buzz! Damn right. Now listen, when you need a ride to the airport, the bar, a wedding, or anywhere in between, call the man we all know as Mr. Pay-Per-View. Buzz! 904-887-0763. This episode of The Bold Take is brought to you by A1 Sliders. Sliding glass door and window repair? A1sliders.com. 386-538-6835. Listen, so you like go walk into the back of your house and you get a little close to that sliding glass door and you're like, ooh, it's a little nippy. It's a little nippy over here. You know why? It's because your sliding glass door needs to be repaired. It's letting the cold in. It's letting the heat out. Not sure which one takes precedence there, but it's making your house cold. These guys can fix it. A1sliders.com, 386-538-6835. They will give you a free estimate. Like literally they just come over and say, oh, it'll cost you this much. And they, and that's it. Free. So if the back of the house makes you want to grab one of your fuzzy blankets off the back of the couch, give our guys a call. 386-538-6835-A1sliders.com. Find out what that free estimate says and get your house warm. Now back to the bull duke. <laughs> Love you guys, Duval County. Let's go. There, there you go. That's the record button. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Damn. We've already Boom. shared fucking 15 minutes of stories here, but. Uh, yeah, I no, thought no, my Rose I... Pete and Vito stories were going to make the pod. Right. Uh, well, this, 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 never, never say never. It's not too late. Um, <laughs> so welcome to the, uh, welcome to the clown show. But, uh, <laughs> um, we are back with another episode of The Bold Take, and we are joined by the esteemed Associated Press, uh, just absolute journalist maven, Mark Long. Um, and so as we, intru- as we introduced Mark, we wanted to just kind of preface everything with, um, it, I think we had a, a, a course that was charted for this episode up until about 26 <laughs> hours ago. Um, and, and so we called an audible. And as we did that, we, we changed guests and we asked Mark to come on kind of last minute and just really talk about the, uh, the, the current dysfunction and, and just the overall dysfunction is probably what we're going to get into, uh, this evening. Wait, 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 you don't, you don't want to discuss the legendary staff that Billy Napier is putting together. (laughs) I was talking, well, I was talking Dan Mullen. Is this not the Gator podcast? I thought that we were ta- like, we can do it. We can do both. Or, or is this Mike White? Are we, is this basketball? Oh, what are we God. doing here? Um, That's my guy. So don't be careful. Be tread lightly. None of us care enough to talk about it. Yeah, we're not talking. Right about uh, we're not going to bag on him. Um, but no, in, in all reality, we, we said 
uh, you know, when it comes to having the tough conversations, asking the tough questions, there's really one main person on the beat that, uh, that we appreciate who does that. And I think a lot of our listeners do as well. So Mark, thank you for joining us. Um, Thanks for having me. The clown yes. show is kind of what I've been covering for the last uh, 18 years in uh, Jacksonville. So this is, this fits right in. Especially the last eight. Yeah. So, well, you, yeah. Okay. For those the last eight, more like the last 15, but go ahead. No, no. Give us, give us kind of the, the, the total you have been for the associated press covering the Jags and the Gators for how long? 2004. Well, so I went to the university of Florida from 95 to 99 graduated from UF Journalism School, and uh, right out of, I was in the Air Force, went to school from 95 to 99, got out of the Air Force, GI Bill, went to University of Florida on the GI Bill, 95 to 99, graduated from 99, got my first job with AP, right out of college, 1999, down in Miami, and uh, covering the hurricanes down there from 99, 2001, 02, 03, part of 04, and I came up in the middle of the season 04, and uh, my big claim to fame is I went from 95 to 99, the Gators didn't lose at home. So I went entire college, didn't see a home loss. I go down to uh, Miami in the, basically took over in the 2000 season, 99, and uh, they didn't lose at home, 2000, 01, 02, and then they lost in 04, I think it was, to Tennessee. So I, I have on a pretty unbelievable streak of home games where you didn't see that team lose. And then you come up here and, you know, you get stuck with, with this shit show. Uh, covering the Gators with, you know, the McIlwain era and the Muschamp era and even the, the Ron Zook era and certainly all the eras of, of the Jags. So uh, a pretty good run, though, right out of college to be with AP. Now I've been with AP over 20 years, 22 years, I guess it is, 99. Yeah, 22 years all with, with AP uh, in only two spots and, uh, you know, in Miami and, and now back in Gainesville. And so I live in Gainesville, but I cover the Jags. It's a lot of traveling over uh, 18 seasons now. It's a lot of 301, man. A lot of start. Oh, I got the sorry. bypass, but it's still brutal. Brutal. Sorry, sorry. I get to December and I'm like totally checked out. It's like, I can't even make that. I don't even want to make that drive anymore. You know, just to talk to somebody who's, you know, running a two and 12 team or whatever it is. <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're borderline spending enough time there. You could be mayor of start. Um, <laughs> you're going through there. Um, Lottie. I'll take Lottie. Lottie. Yeah. I was going to say Lottie or, or any of those fine, I think fine, I got fine cities. In like all of them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Aldo, uh, Lottie Stark. Yeah, that was my question. Is like how many tickets you've gotten over oh, those it's, it's ridiculous. years? It's, it's ridiculous. What was the little town? Maybe I have. You guys know it pretty well, I guess. But uh, what was the little town where they got busted for for having a? They just had a speed trap, and that's all it was. Mm. And uh, it was the one between um, Waldo and Stark. The little, and they just had like it was two cops, and basically they rotated eight hour shifts and all they did was write tickets. Pop, yeah. Yeah. Pop, boom, 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 boom. That's it. Yeah. And they, so they busted them and now they don't even have a, they don't even have a police station anymore. Waldo doesn't have police. That place doesn't have police. Uh, Stark's down to like two cars and Lottie's still got the one guy in the same spot. He's been there all 18 years. So that, there, you have it right there from, from the mayor yeah. of Stark folks, Mark Long and speed right through those, those areas. Yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. Send any, Hey, listen, if you get a ticket though, send it to uh, um, one TIA bank field and <laughs> care of shotgun. Uh, yeah, right? Mark, you've seen, uh, so starting, you said Oh four, basically here. 04, yeah. Yeah. Oh four. Um, where does right now rank 
in the pantheon of ineptitude that we've seen over the last 18 years. It's bad. It's, 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 it's the most dysfunction I've ever seen. And, and that's, you're talking about like some ridiculously dysfunctional years. Wayne Weaver didn't want to pay. He was so cheap and I get it. He was on a budget and whatnot, but there was that year. It was, must've been, it was, it was Jack's last year where everybody started bailing on Jack and he's got, you know, he promotes a quality control coach to his receivers coach. Um, you know, he's a completely lame duck staff. They're in the final year of their contract. Guys are wanting out. Guys are bitching. Jack doesn't even know. They draft a quarterback. They go and draft a quarterback while Jack's out of the room. That was some pretty elite level dysfunction. Uh, this tops that, and it's not even close. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we had, you know, I think two years ago, uh, yeah, two years ago, guys were pointing fingers. The, the personnel, the, the front office people were pointing fingers at the coaching staff. The coaching staff was pointing put fingers at the cross at the, at the, at the front office people. We, they didn't give us any talent. Oh, there's plenty of talent. You guys aren't coaching them. And so there was some real uh, discord inside the building. Then this tops that it's not even close. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And the, the worst part of this is I'm not really sure uh, the ownership gets how bad it is. I just don't, that's my biggest problem here is shotgun doesn't have eyes and ears. Tony was those eyes and ears early on in the 12s, 13s, 14s, 15s. Uh, and I thought Tony did a really good job of at least knowing what was going on. And now I thought, you know, in 2017, I really do believe that Shotgun had the right idea in putting uh, somebody at the top, uh, somebody to be the idea. He had the wrong, he chose the wrong guy. Execution of it was so poor in Tom Coughlin, but there was the right idea. They needed somebody at the top who's going to report to Lamping and to, and to Shotgun but somebody who knows football is in the building every day can tell you here's what's working. Here's not working. Uh, but the model they have right now where the coach and the GM are equals essentially, but they all both report to the owner. It's, it's never going to work because the second things start going wrong, they turn on each other. And it happened with, we saw it with Dave and, and Doug, Dave. Yeah. We saw it with Dave and Doug. We saw it with urban and Trent. And as long as that's the model, you're going to keep seeing the same thing. So that's the fundamental flaw here is, you know, you have an owner who's not in the building. People are yes, men telling him the same, telling him what he wants to hear half the time. And finally, you know, you get a guy like Trevor to step up and say, this is not going to work with this head coach. And I still believe, you know, until somebody tells me the other way that Trevor getting on that yacht and telling urban Meyer, it's not going to work. Or, I mean, telling shotgun, it's not going to work okay, with yeah. urban Meyer was the impetus for him firing Urban Meyer. And so, you know, he's our savior. He is, we, we've known he's our savior from a quarterback standpoint. I think he's our savior from a dysfunction standpoint because he gets it and he's not afraid to stand up, raise his hand and say, this isn't working. We, get, we can do better. So is it, it's just, you think the biggest thing basically is that Khan, you know, the, Khan has these people reporting to him and he has no clue who to believe essentially. Oh, sure. And you, you, you call up Trent Ball. He doesn't. And the other thing is poor hiring. Yeah. Pick up the phone. Anybody in the NFL would have told you that Trent Baalke is a snake, that yeah. Trent Baalke's untrustworthy, that, you know, Dave Caldwell would have told you that. Doug Marone could have told you that. Anybody in the league, the four guys they fired who were on the staff for, for decades have stories of Trent Baalke. And they're all, and I think three of them are at the senior bowl. They all would have said the, said the same thing, said, don't let that guy in the building. 
so Trent Baalke is to me, you know, as big a problem as Urban Meyer. And, you know, Urban Meyer had his own issues. Doug Marone had his own issues. Dave Caldwell had their own issues. Uh, but Trent Baalke here, you, you can't look at his track record. You can't look at his history and think that this is the guy we want fixing it. This is the guy I want to trust in this building. People in the building are outraged that he was retained. And so to me, the biggest thing is where, where are these people getting their, they need to get an audience with Shad first off. You need an audience with Shad and you need to be in a situation where you can tell him uh, this is screwed up. And I just don't know if, if Shad's providing that audience for, for the guys who are willing to speak out. But I, I do know there are people willing to speak out, but they got to have the audience. And then Shad's got to believe it. And I just think it's also, I, as I said this, I said this on the radio, I've, I've tweeted, I think he's a little bit of his path of least resistance. You know, you've got a guy in place who's done it, uh, a guy, you know, and you're already, you're already in this window now where you got to interview people. And it's like, wait, you know, to do it right, you would have needed to fire Trent Baalke when you fired Urban Meyer, hired a GM in the last two, three weeks, and have that GM now in place to go do these coaching interviews. And it didn't happen like that. And so, you know, there's almost no way to fix it at this point. You, you almost got to go get all these interviews, at least get started or else you're going to fall behind because what's going to happen is these, uh, you're going to have four or five staffs dumping coaches and you're going to be competing with everybody else. Right now you're only competing with the Raiders. Right. Day late and a dollar short. And the, and the worst yeah. part is too, like everybody who's in tune in the league knows all this, sees all this, sees what's going on. It's like, like, of course there's going to be somebody that wants to take the job because it's one of 32, but you know, those, those elite level guys, guys you really want to get, they're going to be like, eh, I don't know if that's the right play for me or not to go work in this, you know, day late and a dollar short environment. There will be somebody who turns down an invite to either interview or turns down the job because because of Trent Baalke. I, I am Zigbo just turned down a freaking game check to not come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Listen, I'm good guys. I'm good. You know, this 80 K I can live on this 80 K with the practice squad. I'm good. Like I'm good here. Um, you know, Mark, one of the things that I try and explain to people uh, just because I've got either from friends who have worked in the league and the business or the, the small glimpses I've gotten behind the curtain and being involved in what I'm, whatever the hell I'm involved in um, the last 10 years with Bold City and all this stuff. Um, I try to explain to people that, you know, in a lot of ways, the hierarchy and the structure of NFL teams, right? And what I mean by that on the personnel side and the coaching side is that it's not that much different than your corporate America where people, where it's dog eat dog, it's cutthroat. It's in a lot of ways, it's worse because there's fewer jobs, right? And it's, and everybody who's working as a, you know, not everybody, but a lot of the people who are ambitious working in the personnel department, they all want to be the GM one day, right? That's their dream. And so everything they're doing is, is working towards that, hopefully attaching themselves with a good group and then working their way up and, and getting there. And then it's, it's very similar on the coaching side, right? Where the co that's a lot of the guys who are coaches have that dream of being the head guy, right. And, and, and running the show. Um, and so what you end up seeing, and I see this all the time in corporate America, you know, and, and it's, a, it's not unique to the NFL, but in some ways the, the, the visibility and the publicity behind it makes it very unique. 
you end up seeing people who, when they get there, they'll do anything. And that's what the Trent Balkies and, you know, and the, the, just some of the other guys that have been through here, the, the people who are snakes, you know, you hear that word, he's a snake. You can't trust it. There's leaks, there's this and that. And that's because people are there and they don't want to lose the job. <laughs> so they will tell Shad what they think he wants to hear. And so like that, I, and I just don't think that enough people understand the dynamics what goes on in professional sports in general, but really, especially in the NFL um, with, and so, I mean, I, I appreciate you kind of highlighting that initially with what you said there, because I, I think, I think it's, I've long been saying that shot has to be more active, but it doesn't look like that's ever really going to happen. So then the question, because and it really is a shame to your point that Tom Coughlin wasn't the right hire because in reality, that type of situation, right, is probably what he needs to go towards. But my worry is this. There aren't, there aren't many people that I think an owner can fully trust. I mean, the, like, you could probably trust Tom Coughlin to a degree from an integrity standpoint. But, you know, he was the wrong choice for a litany of other reasons. I mean, there aren't uh, a bunch of what's, what's the guy in uh, um, Baltimore. This is um, he's now the, like the, the EVP of, he was the GM. There's not a bunch of Aussie Newsom's out there that you can just slide into a role that understand both sides of the game, the coaching side and the personnel side. You know, I hear people say Jim Caldwell could be that guy. I don't know how much Jim Caldwell knows about the personnel side. I guess maybe he'd be a good fit if he was even interested. It sounds like he's interested in the head coaching job, but if he was even interested in a role like that, he'd be a good fit just because he has integrity. And is that almost like, I guess what I'm getting at here is like, do those people exist? <laughs> and if not, like what, what the criteria should be for somebody that Shad should be looking for? Yeah. I mean, I think they do exist. The, the problem is, you know, people talk about putting Caldwell there. I think Hayes Carline talked about that. That's great, but you got to have somebody there. The problem with Coughlin was you got to have somebody there who doesn't want to coach and doesn't want to make the picks if you're really going to have it and do it right. And it's hard. You know, what do you, you do an ex GM and they're going to want to make the picks. You do an ex head coach and they're going to want to be, have their hands involved in some of that stuff. Um, you know, the name that gets batted around and, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but Tony Baselli. He's a guy who obviously played in the league seven or eight years, whatever it was. And Tony knows the city, knows the team, knows, you know, talent, knows the GM side. He's been a football coach, high school level, but he's done it. So, you know, would, would somebody like that be, that's what I wonder. Is somebody like that really what we're looking for here? Somebody who, who knows enough to be dangerous, but isn't, isn't trying to get, take over both roles and really could be, uh, kind of a, that conduit and a focal point and even really a, you know, maybe even a face of the franchise to some degree uh, where everybody's kind of going to him and it takes a little pressure off maybe the head coach and even the GM. Do you, got, and do Shod, you think Tony, do you think right? Tony I mean, is, like, it, honestly, it takes some of the pressure off of Shad too. Sure. To no question. I mean, because one of the criticisms I think of Tony, is that he's, your point, so I think Tony would jump at it. But do you think, no, what I was going to say is, do you think Tony oh, is the type of, do you think Tony is the type of person who could stay hands off enough? Cause I feel like he, mm -hmm. I feel like he would get the job and then he'd be like that controlling micromanaging boss that nobody likes. Maybe I, I think, I think, 
I think it's, you know, when you sit here and you watch it, you know, for so long up close like this, you, you probably have a pretty good insight into what it's going to take or a vision. And I do think Tony, you know, I, he would have to know his role, right? Your role yeah. is to not get involved and to be a little bit hands off. And I, I do think somebody like that is what it would, would probably take. It's interesting that you bring him up because like when I look at somebody like a Ozzie Newsome um, or even the role kind of Elway uh, without the GM John side, Lynch. right. John Lynch, like those guys, uh, maybe not so much John Lynch. Cause he, he didn't play for the 49ers. What I was getting at is, is more so like what I think might give Tony a chance to succeed in something like that is we, we need someone who understands the organization almost as much as they understand football and right? the city yeah. in the city, the city, yeah. the organization, and the part that those two things play together. Um, and, and I mean, cause really what that role should almost be, is just like a steward, right? Somebody who's going to keep yep. shit from going off the track. You're like the owner without being a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in a lot of ways. And, and so to me, and this is, uh, this, some of this might be, a, a, you know, my own naivety of a, as, as a fan, but like, I would want somebody in that position who, like I said, a, it is like a steward and who sees themselves as such, right. Is, is, is like, Hey, look, I'm, I, my role here is because I care about the organization. I care about the organization and its well being, And I want it to, I want to see it be as great as it possibly can be. And I, and I'm going to make Shad pay me a lot of money to do it. Um, but, you know, like, cause I, I, that's the danger. I think you, gosh, I just, I don't know that I trust Shad Khan to go find a random person to be the executive yeah. vice president. Um, <laughs> because I, I, I think then all of a sudden you have three layers of people who can bullshit them. Or try to, you know, and, and three layers for dysfunction. Jimmy Smith uh, is right there begging for a job. You guys don't stop it. Stop it. No, but talking um, about the dysfunction inside the building earlier that Mark was, you know, talking to. This is a direct quote I got. This is just a new low. Nobody wants to keep bulky. Nobody. People in the building are scratching their heads and are just exasperated at this point. He has to go to write the ship. And that's from people who work in the building. Like who's trying to do that on the day-to-day -day deal with that bullshit let's get into mark's tweets from last night <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> i got them right here okay sure seems like this is a lazy and or cheap solution or just plain backwards interviews can start this week and shod Khan took the easy path letting trent balky lead the coaching search does anyone work to find out who was the leak <laughs> the jaguars kept the guy who told two. you connect those two dots a little bit <laughs> the, the jaguars kept the guy who told urban meyer was okay to stay behind in cincinnati and leave the team that was one of my favorites that was the best, yeah. and i'm not convinced trent balky wasn't the one who really wanted to hire chris doyle let that one sink in <laughs> hey i heard about that too like back yeah. then that he was a big like someone who really pushed it to getting done yeah, so he, I everything I've heard said Trent was as much, if not the leader of the Chris Doyle thing. Jesus. And, you know, and that should probably, you know, hang around his neck as much as anything he's done is the Chris Doyle thing. And, uh, you know. Especially from a guy like Khan, who's like trying to kind of get into the social justice and all of that. Like, sure. you know, yikes. Yeah, it's, it was bad. It's bad. It's, it's bad on so many layers. I, I, you know, so the Doyle thing was again, confirmed to me today that 
that uh, Balky was was the one pushing that train as much as Urban Meyer. Um, and then, you know, I until somebody proves me otherwise, I'm going to go down believing that uh, that Trent Balky was a big was a big part of the leaks, if not the leak. But he was yeah. a big part of them and allowed them to happen. And, uh, you know, and he submarined. I, you know, I'm still convinced when I, I, I think I tweeted about him. I think he's submarine. He's submarine. I don't think I know he submarined. Uh, Urban Meyer, Dave Caldwell, and Doug Marone to some degree, yeah. Yeah. and he did the same thing in in uh, San Francisco on record. I mean, like how many coaches? So how many coaches? You know, is it going to take to line up and say this is this guy's bad news for somebody to to pay attention or pick up the? That's what I keep saying. Pick up the phone if you call. I could I could give Shad Khan you know, five numbers right now to call them and, and they would <laughs> torpedo uh, Trent Balky for, for the type of person he is. Forget the kind of work he's done. And, and the, the work so he's true. done is questionable. Isn't even good, you know, yeah. <laughs> at, at best, questionable at best. Yeah. We ain't talking Bill Pulley here. Ago, San Francisco went to three straight NFC title games. And so that looks good. But most of the guys who built that team, the core of that team were not Trent guys. They were yeah. guys who were there when Trent rolled into town. So, you know, if you really dig in and, and, and figure it out, I mean, that's, it's not hard. Pick up the phone. There's a bunch, and you can't, I said this on the radio today, you can't pick up the phone to the, the four or five owners, billionaire owners you're tight with, because they don't know either. And, and guess what? Robert Kraft doesn't want the Jags to succeed. Robert, you know, the Jags <laughs> <That's today. laughs> quarterback. Robert Kraft doesn't want to tell the Jags, who, what GM to go pick? Robert Kraft's probably like, yeah, hey, Trent Baalke's your guy. Yeah, he's really respected. Yeah, we always been a Baalke fan. Of course you do. Yep, I've got a uh, Baalke jersey. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be dysfunctional as long as you keep Baalke. You can't have the Jags in this market figure it out and be the Chiefs or be the Packers because that's what they could be. Uh, You know, I, I still believe that with with Trevor Lawrence and the right draft picks, that's what this franchise can be. Can be. A, a smaller version of Green Bay and Kansas City. Yeah. All right. So, what do we have to change? What do we all have to change our avatars to to get somebody, <laughs> to get like uh, to get Tony Baselli, somebody who's going to like actually try? <laughs> I love it. I, I love that there's a there's a movement. I don't I don't know what it's it's, it's going to do anything, but I love that there's a movement to here to uh, to try to get someone's attention. That this isn't just three or four vocal Jags fans. This is an entire group of of money spending season ticket holders die hard jack your most hardcore fan yeah Yeah, the future of your franchise here that are just irate over your decision to keep a guy everybody in the league knows is bad news and guess what you may not care but we care and we're gonna we're gonna show you that we care (laughs) not only do we care but you know it's i can't speak for every nook and cranny of the fan base but it's a it's a fairly educated fan base from a from a, sure. the perspective and, and i think some of that has to do with the demographic right i mean the the younger fan base that we have demographic wise is um you know it's at least the subsection that we kind of represent we've grown up in the information age and information's out there so that you know and that kind of breeds a, a certain level of savviness maybe not from an x's and o's standpoint all the time or knowing what really good looks like or whatever but it, it breeds a, a certain level of savviness that it's hard to bullshit 
right? Like, I mean, it, I think that's the level we're at now is <clears throat> frustration wise. Shad once or twice a year gets up in front of the cameras in front of the microphones and, and wants to project this idea of having it figured out and, 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 you know, that we need to trust in what he's doing. But in reality, the, the results don't back that up. And so when, when you turn around, Mark, I guess my, my, you know, my question for you is this, is like, is it really that bad down there in the sense that is there no one to tell him, Hey, pick up the phone or, Hey, here's what's going on. Because like, if that's our barometer right now is like, will he pick up the phone to find out like, is this person good or bad? Then that should give everyone even less hope. Like, I, I mean, yeah, it's Mark. I mean, it's Mark Lamping's the guy who has his ear and could say this is a bad hire, this is a good hire. But from a from Lamping standpoint, you know, great on the business side. He's done wonders business side, London, getting some things rolling like that. He's gonna, you know, lot J, all you know, everything around the stadium. He's involved. But in terms of knowing whether Trent Ball, I don't know if Mark Lamping has those connections either to be able to go and say, uh, hey, you know, this is this is guys bad news. Everybody I talk to says this is bad news. And I think Tony, Tony Khan would be able to do that. But again, you know, let's be honest about Tony. I, I, like, I like Tony. I texted with Tony last night. I like him as well as anybody. But, you know, this is not he, this is he is not pushing this sled down the road. He is, this is not his burden. This is not his priority. He's got his hands full. And while he's more than willing to do his part and to help out where he can, uh, he's not making these kind of calls. And I think that's a big thing. Everybody wants to, you know, tweet at Tony Khan, like it's Tony's fault. And I think Dilla, you might've, did you tweet this today? Yeah. That, uh, that it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, this is not Tony Khan. So it's, you know, but I do think Tony could do it if he was in the building every single day and he knows enough people around the league but go look look at what tony done has done i mean he's unbelievably successful just throw just forget AEW and fulham you go back and you look the guy's got two or three analytics companies that he he started from scratch so you know plenty of stuff on his plate to where he can't be he can't be the you know the the judge and jury on on the seven or eight guys they're going to interview in the, in the next 10 to 10 or 12 days. So uh, that's why we go, go back to it. They had the right idea, poor execution, but that's, they got to get that person up there at the top, right under Shad Khan, who's here daily living in Jacksonville, you know, here from seven to seven, every single day, living, breathing, what's going on in the football field, what's going on in the business office, what's going on in the city, what's going on in the meeting rooms, all that stuff and bring it all together and really just be this unbelievable conduit to know every aspect of, of, of the, uh, of the facility and of the organization. Dilla, I mean, you know, we might as well start a grassroots for Dilla to be that guy. I mean, why yeah. not? Right. You heard it here first folks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Consult, consultant Dillard. Yeah. Definitely. I love it. Like, call I mean, me up, Shad. No, yeah, Sean, don't no, call him. Call, call Sally and I. We're his agents. Yeah. <laughs> you can talk to us through, uh, through, you can talk to him through us. Yeah, uh, you start Mark, talking numbers with him and he's like, he's like, ooh, 24 bucks an hour? Yes. <laughs> so I have, I have Sean's number and I've never used it. And I actually was so angry last night that I was, I mean, I was this close. Probably if I had been drinking at all, I would have. 
but I was this close to texting Chad. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do you think that maybe his plan is to try to recreate that same structure? And, you know, that's the impetus behind the whole, you know, trip. It doesn't look like it. I was going to say, it's hard hard to see. If that's the plan, it's doing a really poor job of, you know, showing it. If if that's the plan, then you're doing it completely backwards, backwards, completely backwards. And and they're already doing it backwards. But that way, if that was the plan, then it would, there's no chance this would work because it's just like, you know, before where you're, you're high, you're, you're, you know, go, go, go hire the head coach. And then see if the head coach wants to keep your sitting interim GM. No, he already did it. Ba- he already did it backwards too. Like that's what he yeah, did. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mark, Mark, I wanted to ask you. Uh, just going back to Tony Khan for a second. Um, you know, because you have this type of insight, and I don't know how much you want to share or whatever on the record. But um, going back to maybe the early days of Caldwell, and then especially when um, Coughlin came in pre AEW really taking off Tony was in the building more he did see you know from those that we talked to and even some of us that we talked to that talked directly to Tony quite regularly he did seem interested in having more of a role you know in in kind of the vein that we're talking about why why did that not come about back then yeah, I think there was a little pushback. I, I don't. I don't think Gus Bradley, a little old school. You know, he's you know my age, a little older than me actually. And um, I think Gus is a little old school, and, and analytics were pretty foreign to him. And uh, I, I don't even know how Urban would seem to be a little bit more into it. And certainly, I don't even sure Doug Marone was it was really into the analytics part. And that's what. That was Tony's bread and butter. That's really what he brought to the table. What he was interested in was that anal- that data-driven analytics part. And so I do think he would have taken on a more role. I just think there was a little pushback of, you know, you walk in the building at, you know, you're a 50-year-old guy who's been in the league for, you know, 30 years. And it's, you're like, oh, the owner's son's being pushed on me for this analytics thing. You know, do I really want to, you know, and I just think there was, there's a lot of, a lot of that. And, and again, Tony, I mean, you think about it, 10 years, Tony just turned 40. So he was 30 years old. So, then, you know, I mean, and then if you're 30, if you're the, 30, but he looks 12, right? Yeah. That's when true. When too, he yeah. was 30. And so I think there was a, 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 probably a little bit of pushback from the people in the building. Dave Caldwell really got along well with Tony, but I think from all of those side, I just think there's a little yeah. bit of natural pushback on a guy who's really far ahead of the game i mean now you see everybody is going for it on fourth down they you know they they taking the penalties and getting going you know and take the extra point off and going for going for two all those things now that you're seeing uh i think tony was ahead of the game a little bit a decade ago well i think not just that but even for some of his player evaluation right i mean i know from the you know they basically said hey go play over there with the undrafted (laughs) free agents right thing but some of those guys that he brought in but even like there's there's record uh, not record i don't think any of us have kept it but like i mean in those early days where tony would like get frustrated and hop in some of our dms and say hey look i would have went with this guy nobody listens to me like you know and and so and then looking back on that this is what i try and tell people looking back on that he's more aligned with like what you and i would think would have been a good pick instead of you know dante fowler or whomever right i mean like that's And, and so, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I said, this is somebody, I tweeted something very similar to Dilla 
um, about, you know, kind of leave Tony alone. Like we're sort of losing the plot here, so on and so forth. And this was a couple of nights ago. And I had a lot of people come to me and say, well, you know, he, he doesn't care. Shot doesn't care. I'm like, look, there's a difference between not caring and then, you know, just not knowing what the hell to do. Um, and, and I think at a certain point, Tony started to feel sort of helpless in his role. So he went his other way, started his other thing. And I, and I think I, what, what brought this on is I said, you know, if Tony one day when Tony is in charge, I think we'll be in a better place. Like in that, if that's an indictment of Shad, then, then so be it. And so, so many people were like, well, what are you talking about this and that? It's like, I, I think there really is a real disconnect. And to your point on people kind of always giving him the shit online, it's because Shad's not online, right? And Tony yeah. has a, a presence online. He's got a Twitter handle. People know they can go there. And so, and, and that's something that I, I, God, I hate when I tweet something and then somebody says, yeah. And then they, they basically subtweet in Tony yeah. Khan. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I talk that. to him. All I'd do it myself. Right. Now, like I would, I would mind it because I'd already, I was texting with Tony at the time. <laughs> so everything that I tweeted last night, Tony knew that yeah. how I felt about it. So it wasn't <laughs> like that. Sometimes I'm like, ah, why are you doing that? I used to, people used to do it all the time. If I would, you know, if I ever like ripped in MJD, like, you know, was a big, you know, he was big on Twitter. If I ever oh, snitch tagging, we call it snitch tagging. Anybody, oh, true. they would tag MJD. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm getting a dirty look in the locker room where he wants to call me over. So, you know, it's like, it's a little childish from that standpoint. And, and but people were doing it last night and I was like, Hey, feel free, man. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll like it. You know, I'll just heart it you know, and move on because Tony knows how I feel. Tony wouldn't knows it be exactly awesome? how I feel. Wouldn't it be awesome if Tony Khan was just like in his role with the Jaguars organization, didn't have all this other side shit, and he was just learning oh. how the whole league works now for that eventual time when he is in charge of it? Wouldn't that just it, be awesome? It, it would be unbelievable. <laughs> Imagine. You know, he'd have a decade in. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, he would know who's the, he would know who's the next Sean McVay. But you no, know, somebody – have his eye on – you know, then the, the next great defensive coordinator out somebody there. Somebody told somebody must have told Shad, like, dude, you gotta get this dude as far away from the building as possible or whatever. And he's like, <laughs> it's the complete opposite of sense. I think it's I've, I've told someone before with with uh Tony, had Shad Khan bought a baseball team, Tony Khan would be some like super highly sought after like GM that would be stuck in Shad Khan's baseball organization. Hmm. But because because football is so late to the analytic game it didn't matter what Tony wanted to do when he bought the team. So it doesn't matter now because analytics are so late to the NFL. Sure. It's just funny thinking about it, like sports centric and like think about where he does have his success. It's with Fulham in the championship where analytics are getting the guys that are getting them at the top of the table to get them back into the premier league every time. And then they go in and they play, you know, with, with the money dogs and they don't last, but, but in the analytic driven part, they, they dominate. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I think he's good Tony would have been the, uh, he would have been the chubby guy in Moneyball. What's it? Yeah. And Tony will hate that reference because you know Tony is is not chunky. So you know anyway. No, you're good. So sort of begs the question, Mark, and a lot of the debate that we see on the timeline often, and especially in times like this, is does you know, in your opinion, is is it a effort thing with Shad? Is it a what is it more effort or willingness to put in the work? Is it that, or is it, uh, you know, really just not knowing any better? Or is it a combination? 
I think it's got to be a combination. I, I just, I do think he, he's got a lot going on. I think he's, he's got a lot going on in his, in his world and the bumper business drives it all. And, you know, he, he doesn't live in Jacksonville. That does, that doesn't help. I think, you know, having, having the home in Naples and then the, the home in Champaign, um, you know, now he's here a lot. And I think obviously when that four seasons gets built, he'll have a dedicated spot in the four seasons and maybe be a little bit closer here. But, uh, I think a lot of it is just, you know, you're, you're spread, you're spread really thin. And so he spread thin and it's hard to kind of keep a close eye from 30,000 feet. And that's the reality of what he, where he is, is he's 30,000 feet away. And, you know, for him to, to be able to keep his finger on the pulse is, is impossible. It's an impossible ask. And if we want to be truly honest here, we don't, do we want Jerry Jones? Does anybody want Jerry Jones as their owner? A guy meddling, a guy who thinks he can make the picks, a guy who's making the picks, a guy who, you know, it's like Shad talked about roster control and everybody flipped out. And, you know, he never, he's never going to have roster control. He just wants to be in the decision-making process of who they're keeping and who they're not. Um, but, uh, you know, he's the perfect owner. He really is a guy who, who will do anything for you within reason. Uh, go to bat for the city, go to bat for the, for the organization, you know, open his wallet, do all these things, and then still be a little hand, be hands off. But when you don't have the right people, when you haven't hired the right people under you, that's it's just a recipe for disaster. Especially when those two guys I talk about all the time, when those two guys turn on each other, yeah. that GM and that head coach, and uh, with no with no supervision, you know, they turn on each yeah. other because they don't have anybody breathing down their neck. I, you know. I, it's funny how you, you bring up the Jerry Jones side of it. Cause that's uh, people who kind of come to Shad's defense often go to that, right? Like, yeah, he's not Jerry Jones. He's not going to be, you know, meddling with everything and, and, and this and that. And, and my response to that usually is like, I, I don't know. I, I don't want Jerry Jones. You don't want Daniel Snyder. Like right. don't, be, don't be silly. Right. I mean, I think a perfect in my head, a perfect situation is, is, and, and I get it. The Steelers are different, but the Roonies are, the Roonies are there sort of to set the tone, right? And and to 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 kind of ensure that the culture, the culture is what it should be and, and what they should believe it should be. You know, sort of teams like that. I, I think that's where and, and I think you need that here in a smaller market, especially. Um it, when it comes to it, it trickles down to player satisfaction as well. I think many players have felt very disconnected in his 10 years here versus, you know, the Wayne, the players knew Wayne Weaver and Dolores Weaver cared. Sure. Right? Um, and I've talked, I have friends who are former players who I talk to all the time and up until maybe a year or so ago, a year and a half, two years ago, like the outreach from ownership of any kind to, to former players and, and the, the NFL alumni and everything was putrid, right? You look at things like, the Raider way. And we don't want to compare ourselves to Mark Davis and the Raiders necessarily, but what everybody who played for the Raiders other than Jamarcus Russell, just about like is proud to be a Raider. And yeah. I think those are things Shad can control. He doesn't need to be the guy making picks. He doesn't even necessarily need to be the guy who's constantly meeting with the media and being the voice of the franchise, but behind the scenes, that's what I'm kind of begging for is Make being a Jaguar and being a Jaguar fan, make that mean something. And well, you got to keep guys. That's the, the right. How that you, you giving guys second contracts, you know, 
making the right picks in the first round, the guys who are heroes from day one, right, are put on a pedestal from day one. If, if you're not keeping those guys, it's hard to really build that. Dude, and Cam that, Robinson is the perfect example right now. People are like, oh, we got to get rid of Cam Robinson. Why? Give him the f- – Yeah, no. He, he needs he to stay. <laughs> best year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got, more, you got a lot bigger problems on that offensive line than Cam Robinson. Yeah. I yeah. would tag him again. And, pay, uh, yeah, pay him whatever, yeah. dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sign him. Sign yeah. The whole him. right side of the line, even the three. I mean, Shatley's your most, like, consistent offensive lineman over the last three years. You got a problem. right so uh, you know i guess putting a bow on the on the bulky stuff mark um what was the was the dynamic ever supposed to be with him and urban like what was it from the beginning Uh, does anybody really know like well it changed right we and i i still i'll go to my grave thinking that bulky changed it and, and, you know, listen, kudos to Balky. Let's admit it. Let's let's be completely honest. It's he Hunger won. Games. He's winning. He yeah. won. He won. Yeah. He has the he worst resume. Here. Any of those four of Urban, <clears throat> him, uh, Dave Caldwell, Caldwell and Doug Marone, he has the worst resume, and he's the last one standing. It's, hey, it's Mark, I told them. I've been telling them. You know, he won. Yeah. And so I'm, credit to him. That, you know, and I think somebody saw somebody, one of those Raiders or one of the, the 49ers beat writers said back – way back when months ago, a month, a month and a half ago, I said, you watch the one who's going to survive all this will be Trent Balky. And he did. And yeah. so to his credit, whatever he's got, he's got some sort of charisma that allows people to believe him or him to talk as, you know, he's got silver tongue, whatever it is, yeah. but uh, it's unbelievable. That, that dinosaur that talk won. wouldn't work on me. And, but the, <clears throat> the original, the original, the original formation was going to be coach centric model. Urban has final say. And then I don't know if 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 Balky weaseled his way in to make some of these calls or Urban, what I really believe is Urban didn't just didn't feel comfortable. He got here and he's like, oh shit, I don't know shit about this league. I've yeah. told everybody I studied it for a year. It was complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. And I got no fucking clue what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know how to hire. I don't know how these these players are gonna react. And yeah. then it was, you know, really interesting that he leaves and all of a sudden it's the players are, have changed. You know I mean? Yeah. That's, give, me, give me a fucking break with yeah. that bullshit. The players yeah. have, the players haven't changed. These guys are getting paid. And if you didn't yeah. walk in the door understanding that this was, that these guys are punching a time clock and making yeah. money and they've got different, they've got their families and they got, you know, girls, they got all these other interests uh, to not be here at the facility for 15 hours a day. This isn't college football where these guys have nothing else to do and they're sitting around the pool table all night, you know, shooting the shit. And that's just, this is not the way it works in the NFL. And so if he didn't know that, then he was completely flawed coming in. But to me, somehow either that's what I think happened that urban just was overwhelmed with it. And Balky saw an opportunity here to slide in and grab a little bit more power. And he did. And kudos to him because, you know, he won the game. He's the last man standing. When did, when, when did the information start changing for you though, Mark? Because right when or during free agency at the end of free agency is when the like narrative of the stuff I was hearing flipped. It went from Urban's the final yes man to Balky's actually controlling all of this. It seemed at the end of free agency to me, that was like the first time I felt like, all right, maybe Balky is in control. Maybe Balky isn't the yes man, the fall man that everyone had portrayed he might be early on. 
because of the stuff I was hearing, it just, it seemed like you said, Urban wasn't comfortable. He pushed it on to Balky. And at that moment, Balky was like, all right, I'm running with this. And it seemed like it all flipped at that point. It, all of free agency, really. I don't even know about just the end of it. I just felt like all of free agency was uh, Trent's show because it yeah. was it was the whole value. We're going to do value guys. Yeah. And that was from day one. I mean, they didn't do anything on day one, right? right? And we're like, what are they doing? And then all of a sudden they're signing Jamal Agnew and Rudy Ford and you're going, what is this? And then you start digging in and it's like, oh, wait, this is Trent. This is Trent. Trent likes to get, he likes big guys. He mm. likes injured guys. You can get, you know, a little bit yeah. lower to, yeah. you know, Gene Smithism, right? <laughs> uh, you know, Gene Smith to go, go get a guy who, from a small college and he's getting big guys and he's getting guys who have been injured and he's getting guys that you can get at a discount. And it's like, you're not, this isn't your money. You don't get to pocket the money you're saving. What do you do with Spend yeah. the money. It's not yeah. yours. Go yeah. spend it. And so that to me, that was a big one. Free agency to me was, it was, this is not Urban's show. Urban had right. no clue what he was doing in free agency. And cause we thought, you know, I think we ran with, I think even you Dilla ran with a list of here are all the guys, somebody had done it, done the work and maybe Dilla retweeted it. Here are all the former guys who had played for Urban or Ohio State who are going to be available in free agency. And they ended up with one of them, right? right. With just uh, with Carlos Hyde. Carlos yeah. Hyde, the worst fucking one. Yeah, the worst one. <laughs> guy literally wouldn't go in a game here in Jacksonville Two the last time he was here because, because he didn't want to go in. He's like, ah, I'm not going in. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not going in a blowout. I'm too good. Uh, sign him what again. Fuck it. What are you doing? Let's sign him up. And, and, and he's probably, he's going to be our co-number one. Yeah, you know, we're going to try Donovan, to start him. Ridiculous. <laughs> so that was to me. But I go back, I even go back to the Doyle thing. And, you know, this one always just kind of struck me as weird. Yeah. When they when they fired Doyle, they put Urban and Shad's name. And the then same. the next day they added Balky. Balky. Yeah. And I'm like, why are they adding Balky? So I never could figure that out. And I, I still now, knowing that Balky really was the guy who hired him, I'm starting to wonder if that was because somebody said, hey, we got to put Trent's up. Did either, did either, either two things happen. Either Trent felt left out, that he, did, he wasn't in on it, or B, they said, oh, shit, this is Trent's guy, and he's got no, he's got no blood on his hands because right. his name's not on the, on the statement, so we got to get Trent's name on the statement. It's one of those two. One day I'd love to figure it out, and we will, but uh, you know that to me. But I, I just really believe that Urban just was way in over his head, had no idea what he was getting into and then started leaning on first Trent and then he started leaning on uh, Schottenheimer, Bevel and Joe Cullen to the yeah. point where he was completely hands off. And, you know, he Didn't might know as well who the have fuck been. was in the, in the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. from, exactly. from the way I understood I love Roy it, Roberts personally, I'm, I'm glad Roy Roberts was in a lot. No, but from the way I understood it though, there was almost like two head coaches and the fact that Charlie strong really worried about the defense and reported back to Urban. Urban had no say in it. And right. when you sit back and you look at how everything has worked, the only successful group on the team for maybe a game or two at a time is the defense. So I, I always thought that was the funniest thing about Urban Meyer. He has no say in the defense, and that's your only bit of success on the team. But but did you notice? Did you notice that he went out of his way to start taking credit for the defense when it yeah. when the defense started playing well? So all of a sudden. Oh yeah, we went and we we went we from a man to yeah. a zone scheme. <laughs> I had a lot of say in that. You know, come on. Yeah, shut the fuck up, Urban. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we want to talk about coaching candidates to wrap it up? Should we? Should we even sure. touch on that? Do we care about that? Well, I, I kind of just wanted to. Uh, yes, I mean we 
we can we can touch on that maybe briefly but i also did want to get um you know mark goes on the radio from time to time so people get to hear sort of those side of the opinions we appreciate you being candid with us tonight mark i also want to just again a little bit of jaguars twitter talk get mark's take on that because he is you know for better or worse sometimes uh caught in the crossfire or entrenched in it depending on how you look at it so we but we can run through we can run through coaching candidates first have you had i'm either loved or hated now i'm loved right now have you had any um, snakes around the house lately mark <laughs> <laughs> dude i i learned my lesson there the snake police are i mean like you'd have thought i like uh you know had you know child porn or something it was unbelievable <laughs> the way they came after me it was unbelievable uh yeah i don't i don't don't touch snakes just don't look do, at their lips first get really close and look at the lips kill the snake. yeah get close enough do not let anybody know you kill a snake so uh yeah, no evidence leave, leave no traces <laughs> but as i told you guys before it's jag's twitter is amazing but it's like you're never it's never good you're never good enough maybe dilla's good enough i don't know but like for me, it's like either, some people. <laughs> either I'm either I'm I'm way too soft on them, or it's like, what the hell are you asking that for? You know, give the guy some personal space. And I and they told you guys, it's like Urban. So if I asked Urban about Billy Napier, it was like, why are you asking about the Gators? You know, I just want to know if he knew Billy Napier ever come across him. But I mean, I got crushed for that. And then I asked, you know, Urban goes through his whole thing, and it, obviously it was a big deal. I asked him about his relationship with his wife, whether they were going to survive. And you would have thought I just asked him if, you know, if he had anal that night back at the bar. I mean, it was like unbelievable. It was like, people were like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Let the man live. I'm like, what are you having me? Um, so it's, it's, so, it's unbelievable. It's the internet, man. It's, it it's is. such a it wild is. place. It really is. Like We explain to Sally sometimes. Sally like, has stayed, has managed to stay more low key on, on, on Twitter than Smart I think. Smart man. Bill. This whole fucking I, clown thing. Stop giving me credit for that. I I, I didn't fucking do. Oh, that, is that okay? yours? Is that yours? Yeah, it's him. Yeah, Solly did it. Yep. Yep. But see, you don't know that, Mark. See, that's that's. The <laughs> well, you know, I think did I see this is Smitter all is Dilla's boy Smitter. He's all in on the clown thing now, right? Is he? Is he? Oh, me and Smitter uh, might be boys. Yeah, I think Smitter approves. It's a yes. Smitter approved. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go Smitter hang out with the TU boys while you guys. Uh, <laughs> that. Yeah, go hang out with them. So you'll you'll appreciate this, Mark. Um, Smitter has had me blocked on Twitter for a couple of years now. But you know, here's no, here's the I mean, that's not you know, he's in an esteemed club there with like Adam Schefter and and Mike Florio. Schefter blocked you? He blocked a lot of us. It was it was really weak. He blocked a ton of we had somebody make a bot that just uh copies all of Schefter's tweets so that we can see them. <laughs> yeah. But no, he blocked a bunch of us back. Like when, it, it, what was it? Like the Tebow. Jaguars facts? Tebow. Oh, yeah. He blocked Jaguar us with the Tebow. They said the Tebow was a virtual certainty and we started, uh, I called him Frodo or something like that. And he blocked me for that. Yeah, I didn't even do anything that egregious. I think I just hit him with like a hashtag that wasn't even, it was, was, was nowhere near that that bad. But anyway, Smith's got me blocked. But the, the fact, the, the, the funniest thing is, um, you know, some of the other folks at the TU have my contact information, right? Whether it be Nate or Chris Hong or any of those guys and, and non-sport, non-sports writers. Well, and it's some of the old <laughs> sports writers did like O'Halloran and those guys, they yeah, had yeah, my, yeah. my information. So every once in a while, I will get a voicemail from Gary Smith <laughs> asking me to comment on something. Hey, I just want to get the fan perspective on this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
bro, you got me blocked on Twitter. Why are you calling me? For- <laughs> So I actually told you, know, I think we had Nate Monroe on, on the podcast a, w- a while back. And I think I told him, I'm like, Hey, can you tell Smitter to stop texting and leave me voicemails? <laughs> if he's going to have me blocked on Twitter, like that's the yeah. most, uh, like, wh- what is that about? Um, but yeah. Uh, so what is, uh, here's, here's one for you then along those lines. Um, your favorite person that you've ever covered the Jaguars with in the 18 years. You, you guys, you guys got to know this. This is like a thing. Nobody, nobody. Uh, I mean, there's a, so I, there's a. I'm trying to think. <laughs> it's Mercedes Lewis and it's not even close. And, yes. Uh, oh, I, yeah. And I text with him almost daily. In fact, I actually, he's on my list to text tonight because he got COVID, right? He got, uh, he ended up on the COVID list today. So he's by far my guy and he has been since day one and his 12 years here. He was amazing great source of information and sorely missed and i hope hate nate hackett and mercedes lewis come back next season i mean i would take both of them right now in heartbreak what um what is it you know i guess has he he's offered any dude. he's just a real he's re- i always here's what i think so in my business i judge people based on um when we know when i no longer need them and they no longer need me so like right now, perfect example, Urban Meyer texted me and I haven't talked to him in nine months. He texted me at 718 the day after he got fired that Thursday morning, 718 a.m. Call me. And so I called him. We talked, whatever. Um, I can't get into some of that stuff there. But um, but you, that's how you judge people is to me when, when you don't need them. Now, the problem with that is. I never heard from Urban Meyer. I haven't heard from him since. And I had any hear from him in the eight years that he was at Ohio State. Now, so to me, I judge the, the people who no longer need me and that I no longer need, and that's Mercedes Lewis. We've had a relationship since he left Jacksonville. And it's it's not, he doesn't need me. I don't need him. And that's where you judge our, how real is the person. Gus, I can call Gus Bradley right now and he'll answer the phone. Gus Bradley is a real Dave, dude, call, yeah. I'll call Dave Caldwell right now and he'll answer the phone. Um, but if I call Doug Marone, I, I get crickets, Doug Marone. And, and I texted Doug the day he was fired and, and said, Hey, I hope you're doing well. Hang in there. Haven't heard from him. And so like, that's where you judge people to me is when they no longer need you are, you know, are you, you know, are you of any use to them? And if they, and if they turn you off and shut you down and, and, uh, never want anything else to do with you, you know, then, then that, yeah. then they weren't real. And right. so that's kind of, that's where I, that's kind of where I go with it. Uh, Will Muschamp, a, a Florida guy, everybody dumps on Will Muschamp, but one of the most genuine, great guys I've ever known. And yeah. still to this day, if I call Will Muschamp right now, he would pick up the phone and so, or text me back or something. And so that's, you know, and I'm not saying I need him. I'm just saying mm-hmm. like, that's, they're real. They're well, because, you, because I mean, I think what, what you're getting at is, a big part of your job is formulating relationships. Right. And so so, all of it, every bit of it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if, you know, when rubber hits the road and people are gone or those relationships change a little bit. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I mean, that, that, that's how you, I mean, that's, that's life, right? I mean, that's just, that's life stuff. That's uh, everybody's job is that. So you you bring up, you bring up Mercedes and that you're still in contact with them. You you even brought up that you hope they're back here. I mean, Hmm. that sort of begs the question, in my perspective uh 
what are his thoughts on what's been going on here the last few years? Oh, so complete shit show. I mean, you know, you guys brought up Ryan O'Halloran and Ryan gets to, tra- I don't travel a lot. I went to Tennessee just at a rarity. AP just doesn't work that way. We have people in every city and they handle the game. But like Ryan O'Halloran travels a lot and Ryan will tell you stories all day about he runs into people and it's like, what the hell's going on in Jacksonville? What the hell's going on? You know, it's a complete shit show. And so, you know, you talk to people and that's the same thing. It's like, it's, it's still like Shad Khan hates the word of being a laughing stock. Well, that's what you are right now. You're a laughing stock because of the decisions you've made, because of Urban Meyer, because of the things that have gone on here. And you got to, that's the first step to getting back to some sense of normalcy and becoming a consistent winner is stop being a laughing stock and get rid of all the drama. And so I don't know how you do that with Trent Baalke in the building. Um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, that's like that quite literally is the baseline, right? I mean, you, you, you can't talk about being serious about rebuilding this and picking up the pieces and putting it back together, back together with him still here, right? Like, I mean, that, in my head, there's, there's no way around that. And I think that's what's kind of given, or given tons of life to this whole little clown emoji movement that I didn't think was real <laughs> when Sally tweeted it last night. But now all of a sudden it's like a massive thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's what it's, it's funny. We were talking about before you hopped on, Mark, like a lot of people are, are legitimate. There's not a lot. There's some that are legitimately like upset with us because we're doing this. And it's like, you know, because uh, I had a couple guys say, Hey, you know, well, when, when Shad and Tony decide to pick up and move the team, you know, I hope you guys enjoy your clown emojis. And it's like, look, I mean, at the end of the day, this is, this is peanuts compared to what yeah. people experience in other markets. I mean, this is us just as much laughing at ourselves, all, as, sure. right. As it is us poking fun at him or, you know, be in any way, you know, remotely disrespectful. Like, so um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hilarious. I, 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 sometimes I wish like if Dilly, you brought up Fulham, if they had as poor of a track record here as they've had, and they had it at Fulham, like the amount of insane vitriol that they would experience. In fact, I think for the product that they've put on the field, hundred losses, um, and counting, right. Like it's been pretty tame here. People have been pretty understanding. And they printed the, sixteen foot banners to put in the soccer stadium to call Tony a dog fucker. Like they, they go crazy <laughs> over there, man. Like yeah, it is. They're they're never understand that. Like it's like yeah. what we're doing is is tame. Nothing. Like, yeah. I mean, they would have been relegated by now. They would have been relegated to the Arena Bowl. Yeah. Like the arena <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they would be like USFL, be, XFL, Arena League. SEC. League. They'd yeah. be playing <laughs> UCF in the Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, well, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's, it's bad. It's bad. So we and, want to touch on point, coaches. And again, as I as I said about shot, at some point, and I love shot time. You got to look in the mirror and go, where where's the common denominator? It wasn't good in 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. It wasn't good all those years, and now it hasn't been good the last was it for the last four and at some point you go maybe it's me maybe i need to get somebody in here who's going to help me <laughs> fix it maybe i don't have all the answers and i don't 
I don't think that makes you less of an owner or less of a man or, or any, I mean, he's still one, he's still the smartest guy in the room in most rooms. Right. And the richest. Okay, <laughs> yeah, for sure. the richest. <laughs> but it's okay to say, Hey, you know what? I need some help here. And I, and, and that's where I think that's where we're at. And I, it doesn't look like it's, it's happening this time. So uh-huh. maybe it'll happen when we, you know, rinse and repeat next year or two years from now, whatever it is. That's where I've been hypercritical of him, Mark, like publicly from any platform that I guess I do or don't have. It's just been in, in, in that sense of like, okay, a lot of his commentary can be critical and rightfully so sometimes critical of us as a city and as a market. So at a certain point, it's okay for us as a fan base to vocalize similar thoughts on his performance right and and at the end of the day when there's been a lot of people players coaches personnel guys have come and gone in 10 years he is the common denominator he is the one making those hires people tell me all the time like you're too hard on shot con because you know he look he he invests in the team just all stuff. i'm like i get it guys i i'm one of the first people to acknowledge all of those things but i'm also going to call a spade a spade Right. And, and he is the common denominator. I can't make the hire. He hasn't asked me about it. He hasn't put up a Twitter poll. Right. Like, right. I mean, I, right. like I can't do it. So at the end of the day, and we're at, we're beholden to his decision-making like that is what it is. Um, so speaking of uh, Solly really wants to, he's brought it up a couple of times. He really wants to run through a couple coaching candidates before we let you go uh, officially put the kids to bed. Um Solly, go ahead. All right. Byron <laughs> Lefwich, Todd Bowles, Matt Everflues, Nate Hackett, Dan Quinn, yeah. Kellen Moore, Jim Caldwell, and Doug Peterson. Which of these men is going to be smart enough to say, keep me the fuck out of Jacksonville? Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. Uh, that one's a tougher one. Now, I do think Caldwell and Peterson be out, being out of work, you know, how many people are, are beating down their door for the job? You know, how many people were beating down their door last year for the job? Most so, people in the uh, league are going the young, the young up-and-comer OC type. Correct. Right? So. Kellen, Kellen Moore, to me, is the one who and, – and even Nate Hackett. Both those guys could say no, and they'll get – they'll have five other offers by the end, by the, by the end of the season. Right. Um, you know, I – and but they're also the ones who don't have head coaching experience. So, you know, had, you know Nate Hackett's been here in Jacksonville – obviously knows what he's getting into with Shad Khan, Tony Khan, all those things. So I think to me, he's probably, to me, I'd put him at the, near the top of the list, a young quarterback, you know, he was good here, you know, in a little bit, but it was promise and he's, he's come a long way. Um, yeah. But one of those guys, I don't know which one, but one of them will say no thanks because of the setup, because of, because of uh, because of Trent Baalke. Now, whether that's Peterson Caldwell, I wouldn't put them high on the list to say no, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore or Nate Hackett to go, eh, eh no. What about, and, Byron? What about listen, Byron? These guys, I think Byron's desperate. I think Byron's desperate really? to, to, and I, he, again, he knows Jacksonville. I think he knows Florida. He's going to probably want to come, come, come be a head coach in Jacksonville, come be, you know, take that next step, get out of Arians and Brady's sh- uh, shadow. So I don't think left, which is a guy who's going to be turning stuff down. So I would think he would take it, you know, whether it's you, me or anybody on this podcast, being the GM, I think he'd be, he'd be all in. You Mark long covered the league for 18 years. Who, 
what is the criteria for the next coach if you're choosing? Well, I think when you're when you're coming off the debacle that you had, you 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 don't have a choice. You got to go get somebody with head coaching experience, or I mean, at least NFL experience. I don't, you don't, I mean, I, I'd be okay with Kellen Moore. You could sell Kellen Moore. I think you could sell naked Nate Hackett without any NFL coaching experience. Obviously, when you look at their list, they're going after somebody with, with NFL experience one, and then most of them have head coaching experience. Um, so that to me is the big thing. They're not going to, they're not going to go down the road of a college coach again. And so it'd be interesting. They tried it. They tried it with Urban Meyer failed miserably. They tried the, the hot defensive coordinator with Gus Bradley failed miserably. So I would be surprised if they went those routes. I, I really do believe unless it's Kellen or, or, uh, or Nate Hackett, that it'll be one of those guys with head coach. I listen, I, I'll take Dan Quinn. I covered him at Florida. I, I, you know, he'd be a good guy. I don't know that a defensive guy is where I would go. Because unless you can get him, you know, as the offensive, you know, with a, with a good offensive coordinator, yeah. but uh, I would go offense with a guy and let them pair somebody who can really, really roll with Trevor here and make the offense, you know, at least real. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to use what's the right word? I Score double digits. <laughs> Score to nine points. I mean, yeah. like, throw, you know, throw a touchdown game. pass every three games. Maybe. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not go eight weeks between touchdown passes or whatever. Bar yeah. is quite low at the moment. Uh-oh. It really is. It really is. But it's yeah. one of thirty-two, and it's going to pay. You know, what's the what's the number going to pay now? Uh, you know, it's is it going to pay ten million based on what's happening in college? Um. So you know, somebody will take it. Yeah, regardless of Trent Baalke. Yeah. <laughs> call me and Sally. We're, we're in shot. I'll do it for five. I'll do it for five. <laughs> and, and I'll stay and I'll, and I'll, you can put in my contract. I'll stay past at least 5 PM every day. Unlike urban. I will Dude, stay. How much was urban making? Oh, I don't know. You know better than me. Dylan would know. 8.5. More than that, right? Lower oh, than that. Really? I didn't really? lowballed him. It was wow. good. Yeah. They no had wonder him he, no, six. No wonder he didn't give a fuck. Yeah, oh, so, so, so he was so he, that's what he, uh, when, when he was making six that's what he, he thought on he himself gone every day yeah, by yeah, six. it was pretty incentive incentive laden i think from what i understand is it that was incentive laden it, it could have got up to like six a year but it, i mean that's a pretty that's a bargain for meyer it's shrewd by con too i mean it hedges his bet a little bit yeah yeah but that uh, it also showed you how much urban wanted to get back in it right that it, it wasn't about the money it was really about for him it was getting back in it flopped that flopped incredibly um well fellas anything else you guys have anything else what do you what do you what what is the everybody's what's your who's your number one if you had to rank them just your number one on the on the of the eight go ahead Uh, i'd rather just go the boring i want caldwell i want to think caldwell I just yeah. I just look at what Caldwell did with quarterbacks, and he was successful with Peyton Manning. Obviously, he was successful with Joe Flacco during his very successful run, and Stafford in Detroit. Anyone in Detroit? Yeah, I, I would I would kill for nine and seven for ten years, and that's what he amazing. was, right? Yeah. Well, somebody somebody tweeted the other day. You can go look at this, Mark. It's, it's hilarious. As a Jag fan, basically said, you know, this is this was Jim Caldwell's. Uh, record against winning teams or against playoff teams winning teams yeah five yeah. and 23 it was five and 23 oh i did see that 
But then, like, our response was, yeah, well, he's 31 and three against non winning teams. We'll take that every <laughs> damn day of the week. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You, I would, yeah, kill. like, you've, when you've lost 15 in a row to Houston or whatever it is, is it yeah. whatever it is? However yeah, many I think, in a row um, to Houston, I, yeah. Bring I think me seven and 10 for three years, Mark, and I'll build you a statue. Seven and 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, dan Low quinn bar. is interesting because i i like dan quinn but i don't want to do anything with his scheme yeah, I, you, I would, go, you would end up going back to the gus bradley that's why i don't four, want him four, I, three, I think he's a good Leo. coach but but on yeah. defense i don't want anything to do with that i don't want that cover zero shit cover three shit yeah. i think kellen moore would be fun too i'm kind of in the same boat with you if if they went with a coach who hadn't coached before that that's my guy yeah, I don't. I don't know if I really just don't know if he's willing to do that. But if he is, to me, Kellen Moore would be the guy of that group. Though I, I listen, I'm a Hackett guy. I think Hackett. The problem with with both of them is like, how much are they? The true. Where's the trueness of? Are they disguised or, or how good they are is being propped up by you know with Leftwich? Is it propped up by being with Brady? You know, for for Nate Hack, is it propped up by being with 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 Aaron Rodgers? I mean, yeah. they'll. You know, Hackett had a pretty good year with Blake Bortles. There's, there's so. a lot. Yeah, and that's – so you can point to that for Hackett. But there's a – so for a lot of the people that, that are the names that are being tossed about, you can do that with most of them, right? And it, whether it's the player, right, whether it's like a transcendent player like Rodgers or Brady, I'd even argue on Leftwich's side, I mean, he's, he's learned a ton from Brady, I'm sure, and also Arians, but it, we've never seen him without either one of them. Right. Like I know what Bruce Arians is bringing. Right. I don't know what Bre- Leftwich is bringing on his own. Correct. Yeah. Um, Kellen Moore has some, you know, ha- has an interesting background and, I, and, and he's really, you know, we had Nate Tice, Mike Tice's son was on the pod a, a while back and, you know, he was kind of schooling us to the system that um, Moore runs, which is really Linehan's system. Right. Okay. And, um, you know, so it's not even so much McCarthy's system, it's more Linehan's system. So that, that kind of intrigues me a little bit because at least it's not, you know, he's not tied directly to McCarthy. Um, but there, there, there's a lot of that out there with each one of these guys. That's why, in, you know, Peterson scares me in some ways because I wonder how much success did Doug, you know, Doug Peterson have without Frank Reich? Because Frank Reich has proven to be a badass. Like, I would take yeah. him in a second. Um, it, so it, you can kind of poke. That's why I kind of keep coming back to what I think might just be the safest play. And that is Caldwell um, in, in that sense. I mean, he's done it a few different places. He's produced something in Detroit and there are still players every day for the past week that are out that played for him or that, you know, know somebody who played for him that are like Jim Caldwell be and that just that within itself may be enough to win me over to like, okay, maybe that will change the culture a little bit. And, and I almost think that's what we need more than anything. Um, I don't know. We want to be a 500 team so bad. <laughs> it's like we would pr- 500 take, take 400. You know, let's if, if we went to the stadium and there was a, a chance we might win every game. Oh yeah. Forget about it. I, I saw, I saw it. Yeah. yeah, I saw that Panthers fan today um, commenting on something like, oh, this this clown emoji is great. We need to do this with Tepper. And I'm just like, you guys don't even know our pain. Get out of here. Like, I don't even want to hear it. This is this is this is almost historic ineptitude. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's 
it's it's sad but it's true mark i think if we if if whoever comes in that bar is so and that's the incredible thing right is that uh, to me that's the part about the last 10 years it just blows my mind the nfl this year literally created an entire additional playoff team and yet almost every team in the league bar like four of them four, or five yeah, of four them or five yeah. Are, are in some sort of running right now with only a couple of games to play, have some shred of hope. And we're not even anywhere. We're not even playing the same league as those yeah. other teams. And that's, that's the part that, it, that just drives most of us nuts. And, and I don't know. I think, uh, it, listen, man, you, you have seen, <laughs> seen it all right there with us for the last 18 years. So. Yeah. And like people say, you know, you know, rooting interest all that stuff it is so much better to cover a team that's 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 just functional you know yeah. and it's it's better better relationships you're not hammering the coaches every single day all, everything is better you walk down the hall and you know people are excited it's all of that and like that's the thing everybody they everybody in this city wants this team to succeed or should want this team to succeed it's better for everybody on every level for businesses, for newspapers, for uh, podcasts, for, you know, radio, it's always better if you're not the shit show and they've just been the shit show for, for, for far too long right now. And that would be my thing. That's why I keep going back to burn it down. I'm a burn it down guy right now, because if I was shot Khan and I'd seen it like this, the last few years, I would blow it up and, and just go start over just but from you, ground up. So right. one thing he hasn't really done. It, it, and, there, there, there's track record of teams in his own division that have done it, that have seen pretty good success rather quickly. Yeah. I mean, you know, even I, I, I equate it to this, Mark. Jim Ursay somehow figures out how to do this, right? Like, and, and yep. I mean, most days he's not even lucid enough online <laughs> to like fire right. off a couple tweets. And yeah. so at a certain point, like, the burn it down strategy may like you just, maybe you just gotta deploy it every now and then. I, I don't know. Um, C- Cincinnati figured it out. Cleveland figured it out. Jacksonville will figure it out at some point. Let I us think. pray. Let us pray. <laughs> Let us pray. Well, thank you, Mark. Um, Thanks for know, having we, me. We, we were gonna we were gonna have you tell lots of veto stories, but maybe maybe that's for another time. Um, <laughs> that's a good. I got some good ones. I got some really good veto stories. We should do veto a whole Jack. veto. We should do a whole veto pod where we get everybody to do good. that. That would be incredible. Steve Wrigley <laughs> and Vito went toe to toe. No, Steve Wrigley and Gene went toe to toe one day, and uh, Vito went toe to toe with. Well, I should say Jack went toe to toe with Vito, and. Uh, you know, and then, you know, Vito's whole porn thing. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> There's a whole Vito podcast to be done for two sure. Two things, two things left for you. One, you have to, it, it, we need an answer. Who wins in a fist fight between Gene and Vito? Oh, wow. Vito's got the reach. Vito does have the reach. <laughs> Gene, I think Gene's probably sneaky, uh, sneaky strong. Yeah. And now I think Vito, maybe 20 years ago, I might have bet on Vito. Not now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vito's really yeah, he still Vito's plays really a lot of tennis. Kid. You know, he's my man's fit, playing tennis all the time. Um, <laughs> all right. And then Gene has that like dumb, like retard strength, you know? <laughs> he said the R Your word. Words. 
Your words. Oh my gosh. It's at the end. This is like an hour in. Nobody's gonna see that. Can can we can we bleep that? Yeah, probably. Probably. Well, yeah. Again, Mark, thank you so much, man. We we really really enjoyed it. You were the perfect person to bring on with this. Uh, We, I I think, the thing we appreciate most about you is uh, is we can feel your suffering right along with us at times with the ineptitude. I just, I really, I want them to get it right. And uh, you know, I'll write either way. I'm going to write about it either way, whether they get it right, whether they get it wrong, I'm writing about it either way, but it's, it'll be a lot better, easier to write. If it's, if it's, if it's fun and winning and everybody's happy. What a fun change up that would be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hey, listen, we close every episode with this. It's uh, we, we've got, we've got a good pal of ours, JB, and it's just kind of become tradition. You can join us or not. It's, it's it, it can be sort of awkward for new people, but we just, we, we just sign off with love you, JB. That's it. Love you, JB. Boom. Love, love you, you, JB. JB. <laughs> thanks dude. That was awesome. No, thanks for having me. Who's yeah. JB? Uh, just one of our homies yeah just one of like we it was uh when we first started doing this it was way before we thought a lot of people would actually listen let's go jj's let's go luke schreiber from jacksonville florida that's why okay why do people think they're gonna win today because we got trevor lawrence and we got a great defense yeah